I'm still new to this. Well, um, good evening, good morning, whatever it happens, time it happens to be whilst you are listening to us. It has been a long time between drinks or podcasts, as they say. Uh, and speaking of drink, drink wisely, I know it is the festive season now. I hope that you guys are managing your temptations as I am. I've been on light and easy for the past six weeks and uh, I am feeling light and very easy. So... Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got a little theme for the next few, which hopefully will entertain you on your Australian road trips as you take a well-earned break over the Christmas period. Drive safely, people. It is the most dangerous time on the road. But the theme is, I've asked the three female trainees to write a blog for us, uh, for our website. And I'm, you know, I move with the times. I know that people aren't really reading blogs anymore. Like that was so 2000. Five, I think. I was two. I think Sarah was born. Sarah in was born. Yeah, actually, I think maybe Sarah and George were born then. Oh, they were yeah. born then. Two thousand five. Good old. year. But um, we decided we'll we'll just let them read their blogs. So it's a blog, plog, podcast blog, plog, plog, plog. It's a plog, a plogcast. So plog. enjoy the plog. First up on this our will be a plod. <laughs> <laughs> on our series plog. is Sarah. Uh, I hope you're driving to uh, Perth from Sydney because you'll need a drive about that long to fit this podcast or plug in. Okay, otherwise... Make sure you've had a Red Bull or two just to stay awake. This might, you know, tip you over the edge. Definitely oh. will. Anyways, without further ado, Tyson is behind the mixing desk for the very first time. Can you please uh, bring in our famous introduction? Sure can, Rob. From the Black Diamond Adventures podcast, uh, you are currently recording, mate. It's the Black Diamond Adventures podcast. What do you got for me, mate? And here we are back again. Welcome, Sarah. This is your second podcast or plog as we're calling this one today so welcome how do you feel Are you a bit looser than last time yeah a little bit i think uh yeah obviously first podcast I was a bit um a bit nervous but i think um i'm ready to go now it's i've got maven georgia here so i'm not the uh bottom of the rankings here i got my own headphone on my, my own microphone here which is nice and, so, um, something's missing from this picture though what is missing i think um sarah needs like a full steak dinner oh, oh yeah. yes in front of to make this a proper home. podcast. It's so yeah. And you're drinking right. hand, there's none of that this Quick time. Line. You're here you're here in time as well. You didn't rock True. I, Was late. I late last time? A little bit. Definitely oh, late. Okay. One Anyways. one other thing is um like how do you find it now? You've done the podcast walking around town, do you get stopped, do you get selfies and all those types of things? I actually think that I might be a little bit famous, not gonna lie. Probably more famous than you guys actually. Um mm. I have people stop me all the time, they get the selfies. Um yeah. Yeah, it's pretty um pretty amazing. That's are what you, I was like. Are you managing that okay? Uh, I don't know. I think the fame's getting to me a little bit, but um after this after this blog, definitely like people are going to be wanting autographs. I say next that level. There's a sound of confidence in in you tonight. I can I can see that you're definitely taking the fame, uh, well at the moment. So um yeah, hope, if you ever need to chat about those types of things, like we are well versed yeah, in dealing. with... You guys with, are probably more famous than I am. That's hey. right. Anyways, enough of the small talk. We're not very funny. So <laughs> let's get on with it. Without further ado, Sarah is going to read her blog. I've got a I've got a quick intro to oh, Sarah's nice. Sorry. blog too. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to uh Sarah's blog. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's a question we're asked from a young age and one we often respond to with great naivety and confidence as a child. However, this question is one that very few actually have a definite answer for. 
This was most certainly the case for me as I came to the end of year 12, still clueless as to what I wanted to do after school. I feel that from a young age, we are made to believe that by the end of school, we should have a fairly clear vision of what we want to do with our life, what university we want to go to, what courses we want to spend our time and money studying, what career path we want to decide to take that will determine our future. This is really something that I still can't comprehend. How should we be expected to make these kinds of decisions at the ripe age of 18 years old? All we know is the routine life of school and have barely had a chance to really experience life beyond this. This was something that really stuck on my mind and began to stress me out the closer I got to the end of school. I've always been the kind of person that has been determined to make calculated and well thought out decisions that I'm confident in and I know will have a good outcome for me. But this one had stumped me. I'd looked through all the uni course manuals, highlighting courses that sparked any kind of interest within me. I'd always had the mindset that if I'm going to commit to studying three years for a course and pay the fees for it, I wanted to be sure that it was something that I was passionate about. Can I just, can I just butt in there? Yeah, Sorry. go for it. Yeah, so um, you were going through the uni courses, were you? Yeah, the manuals. Yeah, you know. What, did, what ATAR did you get? 90.35. 90.3. Is that good? Um, I don't know. That's um, that's better than me, mate. Well, that, does that is mean it? much to me? Is yeah. it good? It's Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty high? It's pretty good. Yeah. Sarah said it's pretty good. Mm. Pretty good, wow. That's good. It's reading well, by the way. High. I was entranced there. Oh, really? Did mm. I have oh, you well in? Well written. You didn't fall asleep? You haven't even had a Red yeah, Bull. Yeah, well. No Red Bulls. No, no good stuff. Carry on. Just wanted to clarify that there. Like You're talking a lot about uni. People can talk a bit of smack about, yeah, I wanted to go to uni, but just you were capable. <laughs> I was, and for a lot of, um, I suppose, like teachers that I had or people that knew me, I think they looked at me and thought, oh, yeah, she's going to go to uni and do her bachelor degree and all that kind of thing, and I reckon a lot of them would be surprised to sort of hear where I've ended up. Um, but as I was saying, sort of like the pile of course manuals began to stack up on our coffee table and this idea of uni was becoming something less and less appealing to me, and it was quite hard for me to comprehend as I'd always seen myself going to university after school, getting my bachelor's and making sort of a good, stable career for myself. Um, and it's an idea which I believe has become the default vision for many school finishers, both those who think they know exactly what they want to do and also those who have absolutely no clue. So I put my research skills to the test and I began to look into what other exciting opportunities were out there for me. And little did I know that what I would find would shape the next two years of my life after school in a way that I could have never predicted. And just to give you a bit of context, this is um, sort of right at the end of COVID. So I sat in my HSC, HSC exam um, pretty much as COVID was coming to an end. And soon after, I discovered the career opportunity of the outdoor eddy or outdoor educator for those who are not familiar with that kind of lingo. After hitting search on outdoor education companies in Sydney, a long list of places popped up. I emailed and contacted as many different companies as I could and one of them that came up was Black Diamond Adventures, a small outdoor education company based in the Illawarra. Leaders in New South Wales camps, they had boldly written on their website page. That's a big claim to make, I thought. I soon received an email from the director, Rob Mann, and after exchanging a few emails and having a brief Zoom call, he asked me if I wanted to come down to Wollongong to meet with him and his right-hand man, Connor. Rob had been the only company who had showed any real interest in meeting me in person and I thought to myself, well, what do I have to lose? So I hopped in the car and I drove the hour and a half down the coast to a warehouse complex tucked away just north of Wollongong. One tip I have for anyone out there is to make sure you always do your background research before any interview. One interesting thing that I discovered about BDA was that they had their own podcast channel, another unique feature which no other outdoor ed company I researched had. So I did what any smart person would do. 
I listened to their first episode titled The Start of a Great Adventure with Rob, Connor and Tyson. I thought, what better way to get to know them than to listen to them talk about each other? And I learned a lot about them pretty fast. And the biggest point I took away was that they had recently picked up CrossFit during lockdown. Great, I thought. They like CrossFit. I like CrossFit. We'll get along just fine. And after the interview, I felt that it went quite well, but the uncertainty that COVID had brought um, had made Rob and his team a bit uncertain about whether they would even have any work for me. And lucky for me, they decided to take a chance and, and hire me as an outdoor leadership trainee. Now, if you ask Rob and Connor, they'll probably tell you that I basically forced them into giving me a job. But I can say that I was probably just really persistent. If you want something enough, you'll find a way to get it, even if you have to pretend to be a crossfeeder to get the job. So that was that. I was about to begin my next chapter. I packed up my life in Sydney and moved down to Wollongong ready for my next adventure. There have been so many lessons and learning from my time at Black Diamond over the past two years, and I've tried my best to narrow it down to my top three. Number one, do hard things and challenge yourself, even if everything else tells you not to. As a young 18-year-old, fresh out of school and having moved away from home, I was nervous to say the least. I was away from my family and didn't know anyone in the area I had moved to. Now I look back on it, I really had taken quite a big risk making this decision. It could have been the best or worst choice for me and there was only one way to find out. I still remember my first day at the Black Diamond Warehouse. It's 7.55am on January 24th and through the roller door I walked to see Rob, Connor and Tyson sitting at the trestle table. They looked like they'd been there for a while. They had coffee cups sitting on the table and they each had a notebook and pen out in front of them. And for a moment I thought to myself, had I gotten the time wrong and rocked up late to my first day at work? They gave me no indication I was late. However, I did learn my first black diamond lesson that morning. Being on time is late. Little did I know that they had all been there since about 7.40. Not working, but just getting ready for the day. They do this to ensure we're organised for the day and it prevents us being on the back foot. And I've never been late to a day of work since, I think. Hey guys, just a quick interruption here. This episode is actually brought to you by our sponsors, Black Diamond Adventures. Thank you, Connor. And guys, I know it's difficult to believe, but we are in fact not professional podcasters. We do run and operate an outdoor education company. We run everything from the Duke of Edinburgh Award, school camps, tailored expeditions, trips to the Northern Territory, leadership days, the works. If I want to go onto these hikes, Rob, where do I go? Blackdiamondadventures.com.au. Jump on there, flick us an email. Let's get something going. We are the best outdoor education company in New South Wales. What are we doing in 2024, Rob? Glad you asked, Tyson, because it's already shaping up to be a big year. We're that excited to get back out in the field with the kids. Our calendar is filling up really quickly on pump. So get in touch. If you're a teacher, get in touch today because I can't guarantee there's going to be room for long. Send your emails to info at blackdiamondadventures.com.au. We'll book you in. We can't wait to get back out there doing what we love. Can't wait to see everyone again. Don't forget, jump on Instagram and our website. Now back to the episode. After being handed my official Black Diamond t-shirt marking my initiation into the BDA team, we sat down and discussed what we needed to get done that day. And top of the list was to clean the kayaks. Okay, I thought, clean a few kayaks. Can't be that hard, right? Little did I know the tasks that lay ahead. For the next about four hours, Tyson and I spent time unloading and scrubbing 18 kayaks, checking for any damages and then reloading them back into the trailer. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, ah, what a thrilling way to start the day. But this was in fact my first introduction to the idea that you always have to do the hard thing first. 
There were many other tasks written on our to-do list that would have been much easier to complete, but we took the hardest one first and tackled it head on. In this instance, once the task was done, we could look at the trailer and feel a sense of satisfaction knowing that there were 18 spick and span kayaks ready for some adventures. This is just one small example of doing hard things, but throughout my time at BDA, I've gradually learned that doing these hard things over and over again trains our brains to become more resilient and adaptable. It's our natural instinct to want to take the easiest option. Doing the hard thing goes against everything we know. Why would we keep walking when our muscles are tired, our backs hurt, and all we want is a warm shower and a cosy bed to lie in? Why wouldn't we leave a job half-finished when we could be spending time at home, sitting on the sofa and watching TV? Well, because often putting in the hard work will lead to a feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that you otherwise wouldn't get if you gave up or stopped. Rob shared a quote with us the other week, which resonated with me and said, Champions don't need to be asked to do extra work. They do it. They understand that excellence involves doing more than what's required. The more you put in, the more you get out. From running half marathons, abseiling off 30 metre cliffs, squeezing through small cave systems and running from lightning storms, to facilitating a group of students on a five-day trip and running training sessions for 50 teenagers at schools, I've been thrown into a range of uncomfortable situations, most of which I myself don't think I'm ready for. But I'm still here, and in every instance I've challenged myself and learned something new. Students will often turn to me and ask, why do you do this job? You must be crazy. To which I respond firstly with, yeah, I'm a little crazy. But then remind them that, this is, that it's when we do hard things and challenge ourselves that we actually grow and become better. If we decide to succumb to our natural desire to give up and stop trying, we never get the sense of accomplishment and achievement that comes with pushing ourselves further than we think we can go. And this is why I love this job. Not only am I personally challenged every time I go out, but I also get to see young people challenge themselves and see what they are capable of too. The gold moments for me are when we're all sitting around the fire at the end of a long, strenuous day and the students can reflect back and say that despite how many hills they climbed or how sore their feet are, it feels good to have made it through all together. Being able to play a part in all of these small and big wins is why I love this job. I see this not only in the realm of hiking, but also in many other outdoor activities too. That moment when a student makes it to the bottom of an abseil after wholeheartedly believing they couldn't get over the edge. Finally getting that crispy crack of a whip after working on their technique for hours or getting the perfect strike of the flint and steel and watching their kindling light up in flames. It's all of these instances that they have had to persist and work hard at a skill and in doing so have had the satisfaction of seeing their hard work pay off and in every instance that student will look back and say it was all worth it in the end. Now my second one for you is to make mistakes but also don't forget to learn from them. Mistakes, let's be honest, we all make them, it's natural. Yet many of us, including myself, are hesitant to make them. We worry about what others may think of us, we worry of the consequences that may lay ahead for a mistake that we had no intention of making. As a bit of a perfectionist myself, making mistakes is something that I've had to come to terms with over the two past years. Luckily for me, Rob is one of the most forgiving people I know. He does have one fair condition, that we always learn from our mess-ups and do whatever we can to fix them. And trust me, there have been many. A recent example of this happened on a canoeing trip in Kangaroo Valley. I was out on the water practicing some paddling skills with my group of students. It was a beautiful day, blue skies, no wind, sun shining. So I suggested to my group that we play a game of bull rush on the water just for a bit of fun. Now, I was in a canoe with um, the teacher of the school. And in my canoe, I had a dry bag with a few essentials that I had to bring. So I had a dry bag, 
I had my first aid kit. I had the truck keys. I had the school bus keys. I had my garment in there, my raincoat, a couple snacks. And little did I know that the group that I had was a tad more competitive than I had first anticipated. And on the call bull rush, two boys in their canoe started beelining, beelining it straight towards us. Seeing this, myself and my teacher began paddling hard in an effort to evade the boys heading towards us. But they were too fast. And I could feel our canoe beginning to sway to one side as we paddled with all our strength. Then all of a sudden, bang, the boys had T-boned us in the middle of the canoe. And next thing I know, I'm floating in the water next to a capsized canoe. Ah, that's all right, I'm sure you're thinking. Well, a wave of panic washes over me as I realise that I've actually left the dry bag in the canoe wide open. Yeah, pretty much all of the vital items needed for this trip were now somewhere floating along Kangaroo River. I began yelling at the kids, trying to get them to look for this dry bag. Would it sink? Would it float? I didn't know, but I had to do anything I possibly could to retrieve the items. As I'm pulling the canoe to shore, I realise that my phone is in the pocket of my shirt underwater. I yell out to another student to come over as I pull my drenched, soaking wet phone out of my pocket and hand it over to her. What an absolute mess. The green dry bag is still nowhere to be seen. And as I reach the sandbank and pull up the canoe, I flip it back over and a wave of relief, relief floods my body as I see this green dry bag floating in the canoe. Phew, everything is here, but did everything survive the water? I tipped the contents of the bag onto the sand and I was glad to see that everything was in there and nothing was lost. Now, the outcome of this mishap was nowhere near as bad as it could have been, with the only casualty being a sopping wet first aid kit with most of its contents needing to be thrown out. However, it does serve as a strong reminder that with every mistake, there is a lesson to be learned. In this instance, it was one, do up your dry bag in a canoe, and two, don't think you're above being capsized by a group of rowdy and competitive students on the water. I can also confirm that Apple iPhones are waterproof. You're welcome. At the end of last year, we actually introduced a strike system wherein when you mess up, a strike is given. And yes, I did get a strike for the above scenario. While this was mostly for us to look back on and have a laugh over over morning tea, it's also a reminder of everything we have learned from over the past year. And while I would love to say that I haven't received a single strike, that would be a lie, a very big lie. In fact, from our most recent calculations, I was topping the list with the most. But should I also add, although I've made the most strikes, doesn't that mean I've also learnt the most? But here are a few for your own enjoyment. I've broken trailer wheels, had bush turkeys steal my staff pack, melted fake grass onto a transier, and painted a doorframe with a watercolour paintbrush, all of which I have received a strike for, but also every single time learnt something new. At Black Diamond, we try our best to do everything right, but it's not always possible. And that's okay as long as we do our best to fix it learn and they can hopefully look back and laugh. Now the third and final point is to take on new opportunities even if you feel like you may not be ready for them. One of the most valuable things that I've learned from the past two years is to not be afraid to take on new opportunities. Making the decision not to go to university after school and throw myself into full-time work in an industry that I knew nothing about was a decision I never thought I would make but one that I'm so grateful I did. My younger brothers will always say to me that all my hard work in school to get a good ATAR was wasted. And yes, it wasn't used to get me into my dream course at university, but it did one thing for me which I never thought it would. It was my first real lesson in teaching me that if you set your mind to something and do whatever you can to achieve it, your hard work will in most cases pay off. I encourage any young people who are nearing the end of school to look at what other exciting opportunities are out there for you. Don't confine yourself to the idea that you must go to university straight away. Take the time to follow your passions and do what you love. University and study will always be there when you're ready for it. 
For me, taking the opportunity to work at Black Diamond Adventures has enabled me not only to learn a variety of practical skills such as abseiling, caving, high ropes, bushwalking and many, many more, but it's also been a catalyst for my own personal personal growth. Leaders in New South Wales camps, they had written on their website. Well, I now look at that and think that's an understatement. Black Diamond Adventures are leaders in so much more than that. They are leaders for young people from all facets of life. Rob has created a company that isn't focused on churning out camps with outstanding activities, but rather strives to ensure the students and staff on his camps are valued and leave their camp having challenged themselves and learned something new. It is this drive that not only makes BDA leaders in New South Wales camps, but leaders for young people. I consider the people I work with at Black Diamond family. I'm so grateful for the opportunities they have given me that have shaped me into the person I am today. From leading groups through the majestic outback of the Northern Territory and snowshoeing up Mount Kosciuszko to running half marathons and achieving goals that I never thought I could. Don't think too hard. If you want it, just do it. Just go for it. A little round of applause. That was fantastic. (laughs) Well done, Sarah. Well done, well done. Can I ask one question? Yeah, go for it. How much did Rob pay you to write that one? It's actually chat GPT. <laughs> Rob exposed me. I just typed, can you write my life story, please? And they Best just play. came they out with that. I, I have to say, they, are, it, they know everything you, about uh, me. You can tell that you've got a 93.78R. Jeez. Very well written. Very well written. Exactly. Oh, I would have 90.35. Oh, you can say 93 if you want. But like, that was worth more than 90. Oh, for sure. If I wrote that, it'd be half the size and very simple words would have been used. There'd been some pictures on there. There'd been some yeah. pictures. That's all I could read. <laughs> pictures. No, that was really well well written and really enjoyable. And it's good th- good to hear things that um, you don't necessarily see on the trips that you're not on. Yeah, definitely. In detail. Mm. But yeah, maybe condition. too much detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been a valuable uh, team member since you joined us, Sarah. So uh, I'm glad that you were so persistent. Last uh, yeah. two years ago, I think two and a half. I think Sarah is the biggest example we've ever had of someone like fully green, just. Not sure what she was walking into. Yeah. Um, and just really ran with everything we threw at you. So I just remember the conversations just sitting there, Rob going like, oh, I'm unsure. Maybe she might be better and go towards somewhere where it's just they can offer you stuff and whatnot. And then you just went, no, I just want to come to Black Diamond. And we're like, all right, <laughs> oh, fine. Well, even want. even Ma- Maven Georgia, um, although were they the same age as, as you when mm, you yeah. started, but they had sort of been on a Black Diamond trip and yeah, they had a little bit about. of an idea and, and had met me and, and Rob and Tyson, but you just had no idea. And you moved from um, mm. your the comfortable um, northern kid. sub northern suburbs of Sydney where you lived um, at home as a kid, really, and, and moved down here on your own, which is impressive, very mm. impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And you have, um, although you were a superstar when you started, you're um, I don't know. She's learned lots. What's above superstardom? But she's chosen one. Cho- <laughs> chosen one. No, I think the is she the chosen. Isn't that George's? That's no, coming that's later. That's next, later. The next one. That's the next one. Mm. Debatable then. I do remember though, um, Sarah learns lessons, but it, you know, it, it takes a while for Sarah to learn a lesson. That is true. You kind of need, need, need to tell her and then watch yeah. her make the mistake. Yeah. I do. I can recall a couple of uh, examples early on where um, she's come a long way because I think there was one one day we used to, uh, we don't really do it anymore, but we used to make up milk in the, um, oh, yeah. oh, the big yes, water yes. barrels and we'd have ones that were specifically milk and ones that were specifically mm-hmm. water or cordial or whatever. And um, we had signs on them and Sarah had, like, had put cordial, I think, in the milk one or milk <laughs> in the cordial This was one. at um, Bendelung, wasn't it? Yeah, like, Early in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Can you make sure, please, Sarah, that the next time you do that, you just use whatever barrel for whatever liquid that's in there. 
Oh, it doesn't matter, she says. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. Are you serious? Excuse me, Sarah. It does matter. And uh, after you've fixed your um, mistake there, I'll explain to you why it does matter. But anyway. Yeah, it, it didn't matter. But for the record, we don't actually use those milk barrels anymore for a good reason. We don't, reason. but we do. No, um, we don't, this is taking a bit of a pivot, but same sort of category. How important is a J-stroke in a canoe? I thought that's where <laughs> Rob was going with yeah. that story. That was another good that's story. Another that's, another one. One. that's a recent one, actually. Well, it's hard to explain that one to people who don't know they're canoeing, so we will leave the J-stroke story for another episode, maybe. Sounds good. Mm. Sounds good. Well done, guys. Well, um, we better get going because uh, we're having an early knock-off today, 2 o'clock. It is about Christmas time, so let's. Um, I think we should depart our fans with a little Christmas jingle today just to get you in the festive spirit. Merry huh? Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry, Merry if, Christmas. If you're making your family sit around the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve and listen to our podcast, uh, this will just, you know, get everyone excited that Santa is coming tonight. Don't forget to, f- forget to feed the reindeers. 